I'm Dr. Jamie Grant. I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. Welcome back. You are listening to Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. Today, I'm coming to you from Cyprus, where the seventh annual meeting of the North African Middle East Network of LGBTQ activists known as NEDWA has just wrapped. We've had a really exciting three days of workshops and celebrations and creative resistance to colonial, authoritarian, and patriarchal oppression all over the region. One of my favorite workshops looked at decolonizing language and considered how colonial and patriarchal incursions into our sex and sexual expression has distorted and displaced pro-sex and pro-LGBTQ language for people living in this part of the world. Two of my favorite people attended NEDWA this year, newly elected co-chair of the International Lesbian and Gay, Bi, Trans and Intersex Association, Candy Yun, who traveled here from Seoul, South Korea, and co-chair alternate Charbel Meda, who hails from Lebanon. I'm so grateful that Candy and Charbel are going to help us desire map today. So welcome, friends. Hi. Thank you for the invitation. <laughs> if you just introduce yourselves the way we do in the workshop by giving us your name and three things that describe your desire, and then if you could also tell us anything else about you that's important for us to know about your identity or life. Well, my name is uh, Sherbel or Lotta. You can call me both. And um, I'm going to say this for the first time. So, mm. yeah, I'm a non-binary person. Uh, and I consider myself like a superpower button. Ah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah. I'm Candy from South Korea. I'm bisexual. And what desires the three words for myself is this one is taker, it's same as bottom. Taker. Yeah, taker and tickling. I like tickling. Tickling. <laughs> and femme. Femme. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. I wonder if maybe you could tell us just a little bit about your leadership work at ILGA Asia uh, and what you see sort of coming up for your work in the next couple of years. Well, we've just elected like months ago. We've just started... Actually, Shaber had a, was a board member last two years as well, but I'm newly elected. Ilda Asia was so such a, have a long time for eight, ten years for Asian conferences. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I thought is time to go further work. Like we, I, I need, like we want more strong voice for, from, through the Asia. So for next two years, I'm thinking to make more voice, especially in West Asia. We don't have many people from West Asia, mm-hmm. but we have Shabel and also Shadi from the Iran. So we can make more bigger voice from West Asia, but also the across the Asia general. Mm. Nice. And she wanted to focus also not only on conferences and even on projects for those con- for those areas, etc. So it's not just like every two years we have this big conference. That's it. No. Like she believe, I be, I think she believes that like Ilga Asia's role is more than just organize a conference every two years. That like to be more involved in many other projects in the region and to be like to implement them even. Mm, excellent. And do you have a highlight from? I mean, you came to Nedwa and saw the work that's being done here. And do you have any thoughts uh, about you know what you're taking from here? Nedwa is my first time. Also, I've never been touching this like 
mannerism activities differ a lot. So I surprised a lot. There are so many activists, like 200 or 300 people came. Well, and I I had a struggle with the language, but I couldn't realize they worked so hard to improve their rights through mannerism, which was wonderful. And mm. um, they, but they talked up more about the medias and their artworks. Wow, I, I, I just thought when a region LGBT people live like hard work because they have a lot of penal code in their countries. But unless they, they could make their own ways to go through that kind of things. So it inspires me a lot. I consider this time also my first time really in Lebanon because when it was organized in Lebanon, I was visiting them only as an activist in Lebanon, but I, I didn't like uh, join as a full, you know, uh, participant, uh, sorry. So this time it was like my first like four full days participating in, uh, and then it was amazing, you know, seeing this whole new generation and they have more energy than, I consider myself old activist. So, so yeah, I was really happy and I felt peace and just uh, looking at them and, uh, give them the floor to do whatever they want and to speak. And I was really enjoying being uh, invisible a little bit in this uh, four days and just try to learn from the new generation and especially youth people in this conference, which is a lot of youth participation was also in this conference. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask you to do the sort of thing that we do primarily in the workshop, which is to think about one of your sex or desire stories that's really meaningful to you something that maybe revealed to you something about yourself that you didn't know or something that happened or that you asked for engaged in that really maybe changed your ideas about yourself or what was possible um and i know candy you just went to the workshop uh, that we had the other day which was incredible <laughs> so anything that's on your mind about your sex or desire story i would love to hear it's just like yeah, it jumped an idea on my head. So. Okay. I mean, I thought on my first, first, first sex ever in my life. Okay, I had I, I suffered before from internalized homophobia, so I didn't accept myself. So my first consexual sex I had, I was like first year university. And uh, I met someone and we went to his house. So it was for me the first time I suck a dick. Yeah. And... It was good, I, I enjoyed it. And then we finished. It was just self things. And I felt good. And then after this, he said, okay, but we need to talk, like about what? I said like, wait a minute. And then he brought a Bible and he opened. Wow. I didn't remember which, you know, quote from the Bible said, okay, what we're doing, it, and it was my first time. What we're doing, it's very bad, it's against the religion, against God's uh, will, etc., etc. I was like, I don't know how, but it's, it's became, it was like very positive for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't ruin my fantasies because of his <laughs> shitty thing that he was saying, but I said, okay, you know what? And deep inside, like, and after then, I, in every sexual relation thing I, I do, it's, it's, for me, it's very political, and I made sure to, to, to make it clear for everyone that like, it's not something religion and they should take care about or you know and, and, and I did that kind of revolution on because I was also conservative Christian mm -hmm. but this situation it's turned me into someone who 
I did really, I did a huge revolution on myself and uh, the society about human sex and religion and all, because really it affects a lot of people in our community. Thanks God, thanks God. It didn't affect me that way, but uh, because maybe I finished on the end of my therapy with me and myself mm -hmm. and with my psychologist like, to accept myself as a, uh, a male who loves to sleep with guys. So, uh, wow. Uh, I mean, that is really an incredible story. I mean, it could have just gone the other way, right? Which is the person said that and then you just associated feeling great with this horrible shame. But instead, it had the opposite effect on you. Yes. <laughs> it was like, hell no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I didn't enjoy sucking this dick, so no. Fuck <laughs> you. Not your Bible, but in fact, you're. Yes. Whatever you're saying about this from the Bible, I know I enjoyed it. And for me, it was like, okay, it's a political thing. Oh, incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Candy? Okay. My story is how I define me, like, what kind of bisexual I am. Mm. Well, I, I realize I'm bisexual from, like, my teenage times, but what I realized the more specific way was when I met the trans man. I met a trans man. At, at first, he, he told me he's heterosexual trans man, so he fell in love with him. And uh, he was not that good guy. He's like bad guy, bad, bad, bad guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and several months later, he told me he's a bisexual. He's attracted to men as well. Mm -hmm. So, oh. Okay, then months later, he got affair with other lots of gays, and he said, oh, sorry, I think I'm gay. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I, I, and after I broke up with him, I fell in love with, like, a bunch of the butcher lesbians. Yes. So I felt so confused. What I like, I just, like, nothing about women and men, but I realized I, I'm bisexual who loves, like, Slightly masculinity, not not only for like who is man or woman, but who have a kind of masculinity, mm -hmm. not strong one, but slightly masculinity one. Right. That's what I define myself. And actually, that nowadays I'm thinking more about. I most of my butch lesbian lovers, they are not allowed me to touch their bodies. They are because. Mm -hmm. They are not positive, positive of their bodies at all. Yes. So they don't want me to touch their boobs. Mm -hmm. Not allowed to intercourse. Yes. So I thought I like, I'm like, bunch of taker just bottom. I I thought I am the person who just enjoyed the intercourse from the butch lesbian. Actually, I don't I don't have time to think about my desire to how to touch girls, but. I realized at the actually at the, the desire making desire workshop yeah workshop I realized I just didn't have time to think about so I I started to think about how can I touch more ways to girls how can I I, I cannot I don't need to be just a bottom I can do both ways so I'm started to thinking how to how to work. do this yeah oh that's incredible. Oh, I love it. I mean, I feel like that's actually exactly why I created the workshop is to have us think about, you know, what we're doing and like, is this what I actually want to be doing? Um, and I really identify with you. I, I also 
I think of myself as a connoisseur along the masculine spectrum, right? That I, I love masculinities. And so mostly, you know, those masculinities have been butch lesbian masculinities. Mm -hmm. And then they've also been trans masculinities and sometimes the occasional cis masculinity, sometimes gay men, but that often the people who are embodying what I think of as masculinities that are very transgressive, that they push back against whoever's idea about how they should be expressing, are kind of armored in their bodies, many people, because their bodies have been under attack so much, right? And so they, uh, many of my lovers have not wanted me to touch them in certain ways, in the ways that you're talking about, and sort of trying to discover with the person, like, is that what they really want? And is there a bigger field of possibility um, than we've been thinking of wherever that person can maintain their sense of masculinity and also maybe open themselves to different kinds of pleasure that have felt impossible, right? And I think that's just territory we really, as queers, we're just in all the time so much. And maybe you relate to this too, Charbel, that so many of us, being our, our bodies have been in the crosshairs of so much violence and judgment and other people defining for us what is okay, you know, whether we're masculine or feminine, that there's so many barriers to us just saying, yes, please pleasure me, right? Mm. Some people consider me like a little bit masculine to be a button, for example, they keep having this prejudgment on me that I'm top or, you know, mm. or bisexual, but I don't know why. This happened to me the last three years, but uh, because of how the way I look or mm -hmm. what I wrote on a grinder, etc. So they keep like, hey, but, but you don't look like a button. So they have this right. uh, looking like yes. a button. Yes, so for our <laughs> listeners, Chabelle is a very handsome, <laughs> dark-skinned, swarthy guy with a great beard. And so. yeah, you know, you unless you would talk to you, you just look at you, you give off a very sort of traditional masculine look, but if you get a little closer to you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can feel the femme, right? Yeah. Right? So uh, people just getting that two-dimensional look at you on a on a profile or something, yeah. make, make all kinds of assumptions. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's my fault also because in Lebanon, for example, if I want to survive there as a, I don't know, academic or uh, I teach in university, so you should have some look and you should just, you know, in a, sub, in a way that you fit the society unless, uh, if, if you want to stay in your job or, you know, if, mm -hmm. if, if, you, if you want to take, for people to take you seriously, I cannot be myself, 100% right. myself and go and teach in university to be... Right, so you're performing masculinity a bit every day just to keep, yeah, so, to maintain your space. Yeah, but right. some people don't understand this, so right. which, is, which is fine. Yeah. From my experience, because we are a little bit sometimes, we are shy to ask directly our questions that we wanted, and sometimes this is like ruined our relationship with people, or even friends, ex-partners, or yep. even partners, uh, because I believe that we, in our culture, we didn't have, uh, and I know we're very similar also to, to, to Korea's uh, culture, we're not familiar to, to talk about our sexuality or our sexual desire in, in our family or in our schools or even university. It's not something, you know, that we talk about with our partners. And sometimes we, we, we know what we, what our partner like in bed after, after five years. Right, which right. Is like, 
and we, everybody knows that sometimes like sexual desire if it's not uh, if I'm not getting my sexual desire from my partner sometimes it can kill our relation and the best idea to not do this is like to talk about it directly not before Sex, right, not before not sex, before but sex. somewhere else. Yeah, uh, on a dinner, on a coffee, uh, in a very cozy place that you like, but not before sex. Otherwise, right. we learn everything also. So just like, but let, let's keep talking about it and keep like, let's try you know, things mm-hmm. like, uh, yeah, because I think it's kill, uh, you know, the uh, it gives you like new taste for the sex with your partner and give you. And you can map <laughs> things through for right. your day with your partner, like through talking and maybe by asking about uh, your partner about like, okay, what kind of porn do you like? What kind of porn like turns you on better than other porn, etc. So mm-hmm. that's so interesting, Shabelle, because that's in the book, even though you don't have it. My book, Great Sex, <laughs> <laughs> Desire, which is I always say, don't do this in the bed. Right, we often like get in the bed and try to start having a sex talk, and it's just like you end up sort of infecting the bed in this weird way with this kind of heaviness and difficulty. So I always say, like you know, coffee date or a romantic date. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I've had couples do who've been together a long time, and I know you've been with your partner a long time, is um, write a, write your top three. If you had a sex highlight reel of your relationship, what are your top three favorite things you ever did together? And then when you go out on the date, sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're really different. And then it's just like if they're the same, it's like, you know, just like even walking through those memories of what worked can be just so incredible. Right. Um, And then sometimes you find out, oh, my God, I thought that one didn't work. I thought that wasn't on mine because I thought you didn't like that. Right. Another thing that uh, I've, I've seen people do is like draw an actual map of the body and map what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And, you know, just starting to even think about that. And I've also been with masculine expressing partners who were born female, who I experienced their bodies as masculine even when I was touching or doing things that in what we think of as quintessentially feminine spaces. And using masculine terms for those things in that exploration really helped those masculine partners feel seen. There wasn't some kind of compromise or contradiction about connecting in those spaces. So just think about language and like how we see ourselves, learning more about how our partners experience our bodies, how we name them, how and really how we want to be. I mean, maybe your partner is t- or partners are totally cool with the level of pleasure they're getting, and this is just right. But uh, asking the question, as you say, it's right. We, we, we and I, I think especially for a lot of mappers who've been in long-term relationships, I would say coming back home after you've done the workshop and saying, uh, "I learned this incredibly important thing about my relationship with Tom," <laughs> you know, and it's like, and, and you're not talking to Tom, you know, and it's like, and the person's just like. Uh, you know, then it's a, it's a non-starter. But instead going home and saying, you know, I learned this incredibly important thing about myself and it made me think about you because you're the person I share everything with and I really want to share this with you and I really want to know more. 
you know, that's a very different kind of opening to someone you've been in a long-term relationship. It doesn't mean that anything's been missing, right? It just might mean there's more. There's more that we haven't explored yet, which is a pretty darn exciting thing to feel like 10 years in, right? Nowadays, I'm thinking, bringing out of the relationship of my desire, because like my last two relationships, like this one is 10 years, and before one is trans man, mm -hmm. he defined himself as, as a gay, and then he doesn't want sex with me. Right. So within two relationships, both of my partners, they just don't want to talk or think about the sexual relationships, like sexual desires. I think my current partner defined herself like asexual. Mm -hmm. I didn't ask her, but I feel like that. And like like five years, I I tried to talk about it, not only on the on the bed in just other places, yeah, other places. But she just she's the person who doesn't want, want to work, talk about and work it work it out. So I just decided to bring it out of the relationship because relationship cannot be with the sexual desire. Right. Yeah. It depends on person, but we can make our own desire without all the relationship. Right. Just make it my own self and just keep it away from relationship. Relationship can be like like comfortable ways. Yes. And just holding hand is not enough. Is enough. And also my sexual desire, I can prove be it somewhere as, else. Uh, separately. Yes. I mean, I think that's just I so important. Hmm? I can't do this. You can't do that? Mm -hmm. So talk about that. <laughs> For me, like... If I'm, I'm, maybe I don't know. I'm totally different. I, I cannot. I, I, if I'm in a relationship, I can't. I don't know why, but until now, I can't like do sex with other people. Yeah. Yeah. It should be like a personal level. Uh, it should be from the relationship level, from sex level. It should be fine. Well, what I think is really important is to know what your story is, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know what your story is around mm -hmm. feeling attached in your relationship and wanting that and also wanting to be responsible about pursuing and having the desire that you want and making that work. And you know, Charbel, that you, you're like at this point in your life, like monogamous, right? Like it's it's got to stay. You want a system that is bounded, that that's yeah. where you can thrive and feel. and. What I feel like sometimes happen in, in our queer communities is that people will say to you, Candy, mm -hmm. oh, you can't do that. that. That's that's wrong. And they'll say the same to you, right? It's like, oh, you're being I the wrong... They, they love what Candy's doing. Yes, no, right. <laughs> no, you're being the wrong kind of gay man and yeah. you're being the wrong kind of yeah. bi woman, right? right? Yeah. I mean, it's just like... And that's also why I just started doing this work because, I mean, the reality of our stories. I loved one person who took the workshop yesterday, came up to me afterwards and he said... I didn't expect those stories to come out of those people, <laughs> right? Like he had all kinds of ideas when he looked at the storytellers about what story they would tell. I said, that's why we do this, right? Because, you know, we, how, whatever people project on us based on, you know, the presentation, as we were saying, you know, just doesn't really have anything to do with who we are most of the time. And, and that box is what just really is hard on all of us. So did you have another story you wanted to tell, Shardell? Yes. It happened in Geneva, like, a few weeks ago. Oh, <laughs> love it. Well, very current. So I, I opened the grinder in yes. Geneva, mm -hmm. and it's a very handsome guy there, and the masculine type that I like, etc. So I, I tapped him, and he 
take me back. So we started our conversation. He invited me for a coffee, so I went. It was really nice, charming, cute. <laughs> and he said, okay, do you want to go to my home? I said, okay, fine, of course, why not? I felt comfortable. And then went to the home, we started making out, etc. And this happened a second time in my life, but I'm telling you the story. And then when we, you know, we moved or we were nude, I discovered that he's a trans man. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this happened to me, but no one, they, they don't, he didn't mention anything about it before. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I, I was, I don't know, I don't know, I was a little bit surprised, but, and he knows that I'm pure button, mm-hmm. but he has this expectation, maybe because he is a trans man, so I can be top, so and then I said, like, no, let, let's stop a little bit and let's discuss it. Oh, so I we talked on, on his balcony, having a cigarette, and he said, like, okay, but I'm, I really like you, but I'm, I don't like to fuck, and this kind of people Right. Don't like to to fuck. Like okay, let's try something. And then we finished our cigarettes. We we took a shower together, and he had the strap on. Strap on. And it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like. I'm a little bit selfish, maybe. <laughs> I was a little bit selfish, but to be honest, it's it, it was amazing. And he used. Because we talked about it in the balcony. Right, you talked about it in the balcony, yeah. very good. So he used a very nice term for my genitals and my body. and mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was very nice. And he kind of, one, the only person I met my love, he, he understood really what's non-binary and how to address non-binary in that. So it was really amazing. And we still in touch, but yeah. yeah. But he is married with kids, so... <laughs> You're not going to. Yeah, always you know, I always say, if I like someone, right, but I, I just imagine like, to have a monogamous <laughs> relationship <laughs> with, with, them. with them. So yeah, but it's my head. Right. I think it's related to the heteronormativity and how we live, but but you know, I have a lot of things to work on it, right. and I don't have energy to work on this. Well, okay. But I like it like this. Yes, <laughs> it's okay to feel how you feel, right? Yeah, and this is how you feel. Was this kind of the first time you feel like someone really saw you and met you as a non-binary person in yes. your sex? That's incredible. Yeah, in a very, you know, very organic way. Like right. He, he didn't put energy to, it's not like, you know, uh, a role play. Right, right, no, right. right. It was no, like very just, normal. It's just how he met you. Yes. It's beautiful. Mm. And sometimes for your old sex partners, this is hard on them. Right, because I see you a certain way and they yeah. can't. They Even can't. when I lost weight, for example. Right. I lost like half of my sex partners because they loved them. The big Charbel. Yes. Yes. Uh, and when you change in your personality or when you be more clear about your personality with your surroundings and people who you know like 10 years ago and now, yes, they, they cannot adapt quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think when you introduce yourself for the first time for someone, right. it will be easier. <laughs> so, yeah. That's really exciting. I'm excited for you. And one thing, this last three days, Candice is really empowering me to come out as myself, as my real identity. And she was like, yeah. Oh. She was really, she's really supporting me for being 
shall be the non-binary person. Mm, Shabal is just and she knew it. She knew it from Mexico, actually, for the first time. From she the knew first it. time she yeah, met you. Yeah, she knew it, but I wasn't. I wasn't feeling strong about it. So yeah. So the Mexico Ilga Asia was many years ago. Wow! But so you saw Charbel, you could, you could, you just knew. Charbel is, well, yeah. He's, he's, I feel like he's not just like a typical gay person, mm-hmm. where he has a typical masculinity of mm-hmm. the man, mm-hmm. so-called man. Just I feel like Charbel is just Charbel. Mm-hmm. He's so different. Well, you know, since you're a connoisseur of masculinities, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know that range. That's incredible. How lovely. Well, is there anything else you want to tell our listeners about you or your desire or where you're at right now? No, but I was really afraid to do this with you before. But now after this talk, yes. <laughs> it's really nice. Yeah. And everybody should do it. <laughs> no, really, it's nice. It's a nice topic to talk about and I felt safe with you mm. talking about this mm. and felt really you honor me good thank you I really agree with it and I, I told you Jamie a lot I want to bring it to Korea as well yes now, lots of people feel shy and uncomfortable to, to talk about that desire right. issues but yes. it's time to talk about so uh, just, as uh, much as I can I want to bring it to Korea yay, in Korea well, you know I want to come <laughs> So, love you both. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take a moment to thank my amazing sponsors. The Freeman Foundation, centering eros and sexual liberation in LGBTQ movement work. The Wild Geese Foundation, a feminist foundation working to defend human rights and grow food sovereignty. Elizabeth Scott, a longtime mapper and philanthropist based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And finally, Grinder for Equality, leveraging the power of our social and sexual connections for research and advocacy in LGBTQ human rights work around the world. Thanks, everyone. And if you are enjoying yourself here every week, I hope you'll tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe and go to iTunes and give us five stars. You can also go on over to Patreon and become a monthly supporter. Any and all support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you want to get in touch with me for coaching, to buy my book, or to give us feedback on this week's or any week's episode, you can get me at justsexpod at gmail.com. See you next week. Candy and Charbel left us with so much to think about. One thing I want to thank Candy for is talking about herself as a lover or connoisseur of masculinities across embodiments and identities. I hope it helps you think about this question. Regardless of how you describe yourself, straight, top, bottom, queer, non-binary, trans, cis, What or whom are you a lover of? What persists in your desire across decades, across love relationships, across identities? What aspects of a person's identity, sexual expression, or embodiment, or sexual practices have you longed for? What has been consistent or persistent? As we heard from our 
lovely guests, we can lose sight of core parts of our desire inside the soup of other people's expectations and also the limits we place upon ourselves. So let me repeat the question. Regardless of how you describe yourself, straight, top, bottom, queer, non-binary, trans, cis, what or whom are you a lover of? What persists in your desire across decades, across love relationships, across identities? What aspects of a person's identity, expression, embodiment, or sexual practices have you longed for? What has been consistent or persistent? And finally, I want to thank Charbel for coming out as non-binary on this episode and describing a sexual encounter where he felt truly seen for the first time as a non-binary person. Charbel's experience has helped me craft another question for you. And here it is. When have I felt truly seen in a sexual encounter or relationship? And this experience does not have to have happened in a significant or long-term relationship. It could have happened in a one-time encounter, as Charbel described. But the experience is nonetheless significant. So let me ask that again. When have I felt truly seen in a sexual encounter or relationship? What happened in my body, in my spirit? How is that experience alive in my sexuality today? Or how have I turned away from that moment or encounter? And why? That's a wrap. I love a fireside when a storm is due.